Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett, where we talk about all things financial, focusing on helping you plan, keep, and grow for a successful future. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you're tuning in again, welcome back and thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. Today, we are talking about what to do when you have extra savings. We discuss how to think through the different trade-offs and balancing those with your financial goals, how to approach paying down debt, use cases of a 529 plan, and more. If you have questions about any of the topics discussed today, please reach out either by phone or email. My name is Garrett Smith, and we look forward to having you with us today. Welcome back. Here we go again, another one of these. Yeah, awesome. It's good to, good to be back. Got the two of us today. We're going to kind of talk about what accounts and what considerations you should have if you have extra savings. Um, I think that's one of the fun conversations to have because it usually means things are going well. If yeah, that's a good problem to have for sure. It's the problem we all want to have. Um, so these are kind of dollars that, okay, I've got my basics set aside. We're, you know, covering the housing, covering the cars. I'm getting my 401k match at work. Now what do I do? Yeah, you're, so you've probably hit the point in your career where you've, you know, you're you're doing a little better. You're not just getting started. Um, you've learned how to budget. And all of a sudden we're, we have just, Seems like forever for that to happen, but now we have now we have extra. We can we can actually make some decisions with what should we do. And I, and I think these dollars never don't really show up unless you've done the basics, right? If you're if you're not living below your means, having your um, kind of your regular budget, you know, extra savings don't just magically show up. And I think managing those well leads to really the financial difference going forward. If you sit up and pay attention and make sure you get these dollars going to the right places, it starts to kind of pull you out of that paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. kind of mentality. Or, sure. If you're not careful, you can, I mean, you can spend everything you make, you know, there's no question about that. Well, there's always lifestyle inflation too. Sure. You buy a nicer car, you move to a bigger place, you go on more vacations, which is great. You know, you should live and yeah. enjoy your dollars. It just should be deliberate. You know, we never want to fall back into spending extra dollars. Yeah. And uh, so managing the extra savings is 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 really important. Uh, so we're going to assume that for the sake of this discussion, you've kind of covered those main basics of you're, you're living and still able to eat. You're not just on beans and rice anymore. Maybe you got some savings in the 401k. And I think the, the first question to always ask yourself is, is this a windfall? Did I win the lottery? Mm-hmm. You know, do, do I kind of get a lump sum here or is this ongoing savings? Because those should be treated very differently. If this is an extra two, three, five hundred dollars for a paycheck, it's very different than I got ten thousand dollars because of whatever. Right. And and I think on that, the other consideration is, well, am I retired or I'm still working? <laughs> because retirees treat, you know, extra savings because sometimes your living expenses go down. The house is paid off. Your car is paid off. You're not traveling as much because it's the winter and all of a sudden you're getting, you've got some extra dollars lying around. Right. And so I think the first place to look at really is that emergency fund. It's where we always start regardless if things are going well or not. Um, so kind of how do you, how do you think through the emergency fund first and foremost? Well, obviously the emergency fund is just to make sure that when life happens, there's a, a there's a bucket to draw on, and you know I think the first consideration on an emergency fund is how much should I have, and, and you know you just have to look at your personal situation. If you're a two uh, income family, you, the amount of your um, emergency fund probably doesn't need 
to be as much as if you're one income earner. Because, you know, if both spouses are working, somebody loses their job, at least we still have some income coming in. So, you know, financial professionals will tell you you need anywhere from like three months to, to six months if you're a, you're a single um, earner. Um, you know, personally, I have a year because I just at, at some point you just have to say, well, I've got extra here. What should I do? And if you just want to make your situation even more secure, you just, you know, have a little bit more robust uh, emergency fund. And then beyond that, it's probably, you know, it might get a little bit excessive if you get more than about a year, 18 months or so, because there's probably other things you should be doing. So. Yeah. And, and one advantage we're having now on emergency funds is you can actually get an interest rate. You can actually get a return on on saving those dollars. Um, before it was one conversation we always had was was really encouraging people to build that emergency fund, even though they were earning zero percent. Even interest. though it was zero it was so frustrating. <laughs> it was, you know, just it's that buffer that prevents you from going backwards. That's the first dollars of extra savings really should be what can I do to make sure I don't go backwards if something were to happen? All four wheels fall off the car. You know, you don't want to be going into debt to replace those. That's what the emergency fund is for. Um, you know, the those those short term, this was unexpected and uh, can keep you from kind of sliding backwards. And that's where I think cash management, especially right now, is really critical. Um, I think a lot of us end up with some extra savings in our checking and savings account if we're diligent um, but those accounts right now still, personally, aren't paying much. Well, I just uh, retooled my uh, emergency fund just in the last week. And uh, I noticed that even though interest rates have come up substantially, uh, my credit union, where I've had this emergency fund, is just, I looked at it and it was still only paying me like a half a percent, three quarters of a percent. And I just thought, this is this is kind of ridiculous. And so... I, I made some changes about how that how those funds are deployed, and you know now I'm getting over four percent on it. And so you know you go from from you know a half a percent to four percent. It really you know that moves the amount of interest you earn in a in a big way, especially when there's you know a reasonable amount of money in the account. You get fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars in an emergency fund at at a, a half a percent. It's five hundred dollars a year. At 4%, it's $4,000 a year. Makes It just makes a huge difference. Right. And that's and and we're not talking about dialing up the risk going into no, stocks. No, same risk. It's just, it's still money market funds. Same thing that happens at your bank or credit union. There's just some that are available in other accounts to uh, increase the interest rate that you can get. And, so and part of that was just in a short-term CD. You know, I didn't, I put some of it in just a money market mutual fund and some of it in, in just a CD at the same credit union, but I got, you know, substantially more interest. So you just have to kind of, you know, and don't be afraid to buy a, a CD with your emergency fund um, because the penalties are really quite low. I mean, I'm comfortable for people to put their emergency fund in a, in a certificate of deposit. And uh, if, if there's an event, you go in and say, well, I got to have it. And, you know, it's a, it's a month or two's worth of interest. It's not like it's a, you know, a, they're going to throw you in jail for right. cashing it in early. Right. And they're still, you know, you still get all the insurances on the FDIC insurance and everything. Right. And that's, those, that's kind of the critical area when it comes to cash is you want to make sure it's uh, in, in as secure location as it can without necessarily being under your mattress, yep. I guess. Safe and accessible. Yeah. 
And so then I think that if, if those start to get nailed down and you make sure you have a robust emergency fund to, to prevent it, and that number will change continuously throughout your life. If you have kids or you change your business structure, that number is always changing. But then I think the next place to look really uh, is to is it's to pay down any expensive debts if you have. And, and I always kind of just use a rule of thumb of any, any interest rate that's um, higher than kind of your short-term interest rates. And so f- for a while now, that's been near zero. But now that it's up around that 5 6%, okay, anything over that's probably worth looking about. Let's take an active role in paying down this debt. Mm-hmm. And one thing we always encourage, we always talk about it as kind of the pay off the house account, but it can be pay off the car account. It can be pay off the RV account or, or whatever. It's, it's an account that's set aside specifically to pay off a higher interest debt. And uh, kind of the idea behind that is to start setting money aside and, and then also kind of gauging the time horizon of how long will this take to, to pay off. For example, a house is going to be, you know, 15 or 20 years that you'll be working on that versus a car, which should be you know, under five years. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of gauges the amount of risk that you can take on that. Maybe it stays in those short-term investment money market type deals, but you can also start looking at some longer term stock type investments uh, to help gain a larger return. And then when the account gets to a point where it's, it matches the amount of the debt or maybe a little bit more than it, maybe double, you say, okay, do I want to go and pay off this debt? And you sell those funds and then, and then get the debt uh, taken care of. Yeah. And so the idea there is just to have a kind of have a plan, a debt reduction plan. And, you know, part of the equation on that is what a, what's the interest rate being charged and what can I earn on the other side? And and the other uh, part of the equation is the liquidity. You know, some people will just say, well, I'm just going to make extra payments, which is which is fine. The The downside of that is when you when you make a, uh, a an extra debt payment, say it's on your house, um, you know, you lose the liquidity of that extra payment. In other words, you don't control it anymore. You have you would have to go back in and refinance or something like that to to retrieve those dollars if you needed to deploy them some some other direction. So the idea of a, a payoff a debt account is just to have a dedicated savings or investment account so that you can put money in there and you don't lose your liquidity in case something else comes up and and you want to. Uh, do something else with the funds, but also that you have a plan to kind of reduce those debts a, a little quicker than the than the note uh, designates. Yeah, and I think the only exception to this is if you have some really high interest debt, say a credit card. Debt oh, sure, twenty percent. You know, those will want to work on just paying those off regularly, just to reduce that debt amount. Versus, say, a long term home. Right. The 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 interest rate determines mm-hmm. kind of how, whether you set it aside to save and invest, or we just got to put as many dollars on this loan as we can to reduce the interest cost on it. And I've, I saw a report recently that credit card debts, interest rates right now are, are right around 20%. And if you're paying 20% on a credit card, you've got to do everything in your power to get that thing taken care of extra savings or not, and even look at maybe slowing down the 401k savings to just get that credit card paid off. Yeah, there's nowhere you can reliably earn that kind of interest. I mean, that's just the, yeah, you just, yeah, go ahead and pay that one off. Yeah. As fast as possible. As fast as possible. (laughs) I think sometimes people get stuck in the cycle of just paying interest only on the credit card. And so the the debt just continues to accumulate and you just get behind it. And, And so if you're using credit cards in any way, shape or form, we do not want to be carrying a balance right, right now in any way. 
Um, I think the next place that I always like to look at that I enjoy is if it's if it's available for you as an HSA, a health savings account. I think mm -hmm. that's a wonderful place to have extra savings to be used for um, you know, future healthcare expenses. Really, savings should be set aside to to pay for a future expense. Is really what you're doing. You're kind mm -hmm. of deferring the use of it today to, and if you can line it up for a specific reason, um, that's what kind of ties some of these accounts to that future future spending. So, for example, HSA with with um, healthcare costs. Yeah, and those are kind of interesting because um, I mean, I, I've had one for years, and I've just kind of use it, you know, but. A lot of people put money in and, and don't use it. It grows tax deferred. You can invest the money because it kind of, you know, kind of acts like an IRA in that sense. And then when you use the money for medical expenses, the, you pull it out and it's, it's uh, not taxed. And so there's a lot of interesting rules around HSA uh, plans. And that's a great place to, to, to put extra money if you have some, uh, whether you use it now or reserve it for later. That's kind of a personal choice. But there, there's a lot of uh, really interesting rules around the HSA. And that's a great place to, to, you know, put money because it's a tax deductible contribution. And, um, you know, what a what a great uh, way to save some taxes and to pay medical bills with pre-tax dollars. Yeah. And there's kind of some interesting reimbursement rules. And so if you want to go down the road of contributing your HSA, but then you continue to pay healthcare costs out of pocket. And then down the road, you're planning on reimbursing yourself. There's obviously steps you need to go through, but it can be really advantageous from a tax and savings perspective to kind of maximize those dollars. And so your HSA should be part of your strategic overall uh, financial plan if you have one available for right. you. Um, but that's, that's one area you definitely want to get those dollars in. They're making it more and more flexible. It seems like every time they, they pass a law um, to potentially roll those into an IRA down the road, as well as use them for um, healthcare costs uh, in, in a tax way. So that's, that HSA is, is uh, really essential. And one with the secure uh, 2.0 going forward is to, I think another interesting place that we've kind of been, it is a 529 plan. We've kind of, these, these seem to be hit or miss for some people. Um, but with the, with the change in the secure act of, of being able to potentially convert those $529 to a Roth account kind of opens up the door of saying maybe a 529 for, for your future kids education is not a bad place to be putting some savings right now. Yeah. So 529 is for, uh, again, it's another place you can put money. Uh, there, there's no tax deduction for go, uh, putting it in there, but it, you know, the idea is you put it in for a, a younger child, let it grow tax deferred uh, for educational expenses. And then when you pull it out, you don't have to pay tax on the growth. And, you know, the question has always been, well, what if that kid doesn't go to school, mm -hmm. you know, and and if it's not used for in the past, if it's not used for um, school expenses, then there's some, you know, penalties and some taxes for taking it out. And, you know, it just so I don't there's just not a ton of people that use those in the past. But now with this change in the act where people can, you know, if they don't go to school, then you can convert it to a Roth IRA for them. Uh, it really, you know, kind of opens up the idea that, hey, maybe we need to take a little closer look at these 529 plans. There might be something there that that, you know, allows for some flexibility going forward. Yeah. And I think all of these kind of highlight the HSA, the 529, the paying off debts really highlights how specific 
everybody's financial situation is. You know, it's all dependent on age, your goals, and and we're kind of going through some broad-based ideas, but but really your plan is specific to you and having a conversation with you, I think can open those doors of, of knowing which of these places to start with. Because for most people, you can't do them all, right? right. You go through 10 different ideas and you won't be able to do them all. Just there's only so many dollars to go around. And so figuring out what is kind of the priority of the dollars of saying, hey, the HSA for me right now is more of a priority than the 529. For somebody else, it could be very different. And and getting those in the right order, I think, is is kind of the, the point of this conversation of making sure, okay, let's get A, B, and then C and just kind of let the dollars waterfall down from one to the other until they're used up. Yeah, sometimes it's not just hard to know what's available. There's just so many uh, little nooks and crannies and of things that you can do with, uh, with extra money that, um, sometimes it just takes a little help to figure out what's best for your situation. Yeah. And especially if you have, you know, if you're, it, it kind of, the big part of it drives what your future goals are. Are you a business owner and you're trying to maximize maybe tax savings? Or are you wanting to really set up, you know, future children or grandchildren that opens up a new uh, range of accounts. And so it's like anything, it's the financial goals. It's, it's, it's your personal goals that should drive all of these decisions. You shouldn't just be saying, well, I will get the biggest tax benefit here. So I'm going to do that. But that might not necessarily line up with where you want the dollars to go. Right. And I think when you have extra savings too, so we've been kind of talking account structure, but I think another part of the conversation is what I like to consider complementary investing is just how are you utilizing those dollars from an investment standpoint to make sure you're complementing the rest of your financial plan. Because usually extra savings means I've got the basis of when I want to retire goals already accomplished. Mm-hmm. Right? If, if, if the goal is still, hey, I'm trying to save up to retire at 65 and enough dollars aren't going that way, that's probably the first place those dollars are going to go. We're kind of assuming saying, yeah, the basics of my financial goals are taken care of. I've, I've kind of hit the major points of this, then then I think this opens up to maybe dial up the risk in some areas or open up some new investing opportunities, whether it's real estate or private equity or things like that to say, hey, we can use these dollars to complement kind of the foundational uh-huh. aspect of our financial plan. Yeah, and it might help you flesh out your goals a little bit more, you know, instead of, well, retiring at age 65, would I rather you know, have a bigger HSA account or would I rather, you know, uh, put some money in some something for my grandkids. So there, you know, it's just, it's just discussion and analyzing goals and priorities. And and then you can kind of figure out what direction to go. Yeah. And I think one common mistake I have seen numerous times is, you know, people wanting to get too risky too soon with Mm -hmm. those first dollars, you know, really the first dollars in should be setting a a solid base for your major financial goals. And then if there's extra savings, that's when it might be worth saying, Hey, we can take some extra risk from an investment standpoint here instead of your first goal should always be, how can I prevent myself from going backwards? That's always the first place you want to start at. And and oftentimes, if you put too much risk in a plan from an investing standpoint too soon, you can kind of just derail everything for years to come. And it takes time to recover from those mistakes early on. Yeah. And so that's why we're talking account structure. It's usually account structure and where those dollars are flowing are the first critical decisions you need to make and then making the investment decision afterwards about how those can complement everything else that you're doing uh, can work really well. Yeah, I agree. I think um, anything other uh, specific ideas that you want to touch on? Well, there's a million things, but, you know, I think we're 
we're getting close on time. Don't want to bore people or get too, uh, too into the weeds. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, you know, there's always backdoor Roth options. If you're a business owner, there's that opens up a whole bunch of retirement plans, pension plans that you can be looking at, um, you know, future generation planning. There's insurance products that start to uh, trickle in when you've got mm -hmm. extra dollars going. And, and it, so it, it all depends on what are your goals with the dollars? But hopefully these few ideas about types of accounts that you should be looking at, and these are probably the most common one, 529 HSA, the paying off your house account. You know, 90% of, of our clients are filling those buckets first versus kind of getting into more exotic options. Right. Well, I think with that, we'll, we'll let you go. And thanks for spending the day with us. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, visit us at ascendinvestment.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep you up to date. See you in the next episode. Kessler, Norman, and Ride, LLC, DBA, Ascend Investment Partners, is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where our firm and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Ascend Investment Partners unless a client service agreement is in place. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice, performance data, or recommendations that any particular security, portfolio of securities, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. This program is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. All opinions contained in this podcast are subject to change at any time without notice. To determine which, if any, investments may be appropriate for you, please consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this podcast is not guaranteed of future results. As always, please remember that all investing involves risk and possible loss.